We start with Taiwan's homemade vaccine. The FDA says it's inspected and cleared the first batches of the COVID vaccine developed by domestic biotech firm Medigen Biologics. Some 265,000 doses of Medigen have passed inspection and will soon be distributed by health authorities for national use. In a Monday press conference, the CECC explained that it allowed Medigen to produce doses while its EUA application was pending so that the vaccine could roll out faster. 不管要做疫苗也好，或者申请新药，或者申请相关新药的EUA也好。whether it's vaccine making, a new drug application, or an EUA for a new drug, we have a counseling program for each project. To avoid having to send documents back and forth, sometimes, if supplementary documents are required, we hold a meeting instead. There, we discuss and make any necessary adjustments, making the whole process faster. The main purpose of this is to speed up the administrative procedures insofar as it's allowed by law. Secondly, throughout the R&D process, there are many experiments unfolding in parallel. The processes are allowed to overlap to speed up development. So far, nearly one million people have put themselves on the wait list for a Medigen COVID vaccine. Among them, 167,000 have signed up for the Medigen vaccine and no other. Dining in at restaurants will be allowed in Taipei and New Taipei once again starting Tuesday. The dining in ban was lifted in most cities and counties last week, but Greater Taipei held out, citing the risk of fresh COVID outbreaks. The mayor of Taipei said Monday that with the epidemic clearly easing, the city will allow restaurants to host patrons, provided that they adhere to strict public health protocols. We've monitored the situation for a week now and the numbers are staying low. Starting tomorrow, eating in will be allowed at restaurants. Over the past week, Taipei has seen only two COVID infections with an unknown source. Community-acquired case counts and total daily case counts have also stayed low. In light of the easing epidemic, Taipei says it will allow dining in at restaurants from Tuesday. We still haven't discussed what will happen if the epidemic worsens, if we need to upgrade our restrictions, or what circumstances would prompt that. We haven't discussed that with New Taipei yet, because I think we have been very cautious. We will absolutely notice the smallest whiff of trouble. Taipei and New Taipei have reached a consensus to allow dining in. In Taipei, dining in will resume with several restrictions. Patrons' food should be served individually whenever possible. If food must be shared, such as at buffets, then servers must be appointed to distribute the food. Tables must be spaced at least 1.5 meters apart. Diners should be seated in separated booths or with dividers between tables. In addition, staff at food and drink establishments must monitor their health every day. Larger establishments must cap occupancy at 50 indoors and 100 outdoors and must also report their COVID protocols to the local health authority. Should a diner later test positive for COVID, the restaurant must close at least three days for disinfection. After reopening, it'll be limited to providing takeout or delivery for another 11 days. Nobody wants people to get infected at the restaurant because they didn't follow the rules. Of course, that is punishable with between 3,000 and 15,000 NT. It's not a heavy fine, but I believe that as a civilized country, Taiwan can rely on the good nature of its citizens and not have to resort to draconian measures. 
Amid concerns that lifting the dining ban could lead to more COVID infections, Ke says the government will be cautious and tread lightly moving forward. 跟经济哈，我们想办法取一个平衡嘛哈。啊，我也知道说餐厅业是一直轰下去，不是办法了。We're trying to find a balance between epidemic prevention and the economy. We know that for the food and drink sector, it will be hard to survive if the dining in ban continues. We'll monitor the situation closely over the next two weeks. If things really get bad, we'll call it off immediately. The mayor warned that if the epidemic surges back, the ban on dining in will return. He also announced that on Tuesday, shrimp fishing venues and claw machine arcades will also be allowed to reopen, provided they abide by the central government's public health guidelines. Taiwan announced 12 new local cases on Monday. The Central Epidemic Command Center says that even if the epidemic remains under control, it will likely maintain the level two COVID alert throughout the rest of this week. But a greater reopening of businesses could come after that if daily case counts stay low. Premier Su Jinchang said Taiwan may lift more COVID restrictions after next Tuesday. As of Monday, nearly 34% of Taiwan's population has received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine. The CCC says it will release another 567,000 doses of Moderna. Some of it will be offered as the second dose to the first three priority groups: pregnant women and people 65 and older. The rest will be offered as the first dose to people in the ninth and tenth priority groups. These are people with designated high-risk conditions, such as asthma, along with adults aged 50 to 64. The HMS Queen Elizabeth, leading a British aircraft carrier strike group, has entered the Philippine Sea by way of the South China Sea. The battle group is set to join the U.S., Japan, and other democratic allies in maritime exercises. In addition, Britain plans to station two warships in Japan to strengthen its security ties with Tokyo. First, this highlights the geopolitical importance of the Taiwan Strait. Second, this has significance in terms of military strategy. That is, the UK and Japan are drawing closer when it comes to this form of security cooperation. Besides the deployment of the Queen Elizabeth Battle Group, Britain has also decided to permanently station two patrol ships in Japan. Its main goal is to curb the maritime bullying that may arise as China enforces its maritime police law. Hailed as one of the world's most powerful aircraft carriers, the Queen Elizabeth has a displacement of 72,000 tons and can travel 18,520 kilometers without refueling. It can carry up to 70 aircraft, and it's being escorted by a huge contingent, including frigates, destroyers, support ships, and a nuclear submarine. China's PLA has sent fishing vessels to monitor the group, and the vessels have come as close as 10 nautical miles from Taiwan's Orchid Island. As the pandemic drags on, couples are looking for COVID-safe ways to celebrate their marriages. Socially distanced banquets where guests sit in their cars is one option. Of course, online weddings are another choice. Or you can have guests drive by, wave hello, be handed their food, and leave again. Let's take a look at some of the alternatives. An elevator opens to reveal a white sedan that drives sedately into the banquet hall. 
Six cars flanked the stage, honking to wish the newlyweds all the best. This unusual layout is a COVID-safe wedding banquet, allowing the couple to tie the knot in front of friends and family. To be honest, this kind of event will not help us recoup much of our losses, but our couples have already delayed their weddings by six months or even a year. They hardly want to have a ceremony anymore. Hotels across Taiwan are finding COVID-safe ceremony policies. In this drive-by wedding at Dazhi Denwell, guests can eat their banquet and watch the couple toast guests from inside the car. At the Palais de Chine, brief ceremonies allow guests to just say hi to the couple and leave with their food as a takeaway doggy bag or have it delivered. Meanwhile, at Silk's Hotel Group, online ceremonies are the order of the day. Generally, Taiwanese couples really focus on the banquet and on the rituals that are interwoven in that. Younger couples are very concerned about the ritual quality, so lots of banquets have been delayed because of the pandemic. This wedding expert says that Taiwanese couples are warming up to the idea of first getting registered and later holding a banquet after a delay. But many couples are still keen to make a big event of their nuptials, whether online or even behind a steering wheel. With the Games more than halfway through, Taiwan's Olympians are starting to return home. The Sports Administration of the Ministry of Education sent a delegation to the airport on Monday to welcome the latest returning heroes. Special arrangements were made to expedite the athletes' customs clearance. Weightlifter Guo Xingchun, who's come home with a gold medal in the women's 59-kilogram class, thanked the Sports Administration and other government agencies for their support. As the athletes step off the plane, they're surrounded by a lively crowd and cheering that's seemingly endless. The crowd goes wild at the sight of Guo, known as the goddess of weightlifting. Some hold up signs and others a fabric banner as they welcome back the pride of Taiwan. She and several other Olympians returned home on Monday, flying business class on a China Airlines Airbus A350. The sports administration of the Ministry of Education sent staff to the airport to greet them. An airport corridor was created for the athletes to speed up customs clearance. Dedicated staff was on hand to steer the Olympians through customs and other inspection procedures. An expedited service counter also made getting through the airport a breeze. The athletes said they were moved by the thoughtful touches. Regarding the preparation for the Olympics, a special thank you is owed to the organizers at the Chinese Taipei Olympic Committee and the Sports Administration, as well as the National Sports Training Center. They put everything together in a short amount of time. I'm very grateful to them and I thank them for their hard work. For myself, Guang Hong and Xing Hao, it was such an honor to represent Taiwan on the biggest stage in global sports. I know we had Taiwan standing behind us. All of your cheering and encouragement and all the assistance and support of the delegation gave us the strongest support network possible. The athletes' PCR COVID tests were administered in a dedicated area by special personnel who helped the arrivals get through border checks faster. The athletes also had access to their own ride pickup area. Under the Ministry of Education's special measures for returning Olympians, athletes who have been fully vaccinated for at least 14 days and who test negative for COVID only need to quarantine at a hotel for seven days before taking a second PCR test. If that test comes back negative, they can be released from the quarantine hotel. And 
and need only complete seven more days of an enhanced form of self-health management. Through this quick and easy path to customs clearance, the Education Ministry hopes to give returning athletes a warm welcome home. If you're watching the Tokyo Olympics opening ceremony, Team Taiwan's uniforms may have caught your eye. The white and navy outfits garnered fans worldwide. We spoke to their designer about the secrets behind the styles. Comparing each country's costume is a highlight of an Olympic opening ceremony. World Athletics asked its Instagram followers which outfit was the best in Tokyo, attaching a photo of Taiwan's team. The mastermind of their classy get-up is none other than Taiwanese designer Justin Cho. What people hate most for their opening ceremony outfit is long trousers. If they're too long, it looks dull. So I deliberately cut the trousers short. The ensemble has to be light and flexible, but also comfortable. I put the air holes by the armpits. At the back, you need pleats so it can stretch more deeply. The whole outfit has hints of functional sportswear without losing sophistication. The material includes this flower pattern, a nod to the designs of Taiwan's traditional windows. The buttons feature traditional lacquer work and a splash of gold for good luck. This is an outfit to represent Taiwanese athletes and the glory of the Taiwanese people. So it's not a fashion show. The point is, how can I make it comfortable and integrate our local strengths with artistry and the familiar aesthetic of Taiwan? Cho had little time to prepare, but his designs certainly stand up on the global stage. Considered Taiwan's finest designer, he's exhibited at New York Fashion Week and previously worked with the National Palace Museum. That project resulted in a jade cabbage outfit incorporating Taiwanese craft work. He also created the staff uniform for the 2018 Taichung World Floor Exposition, but chose especially gratified by the buzz around the Olympic outfit. I've worked hard and that's been recognized. I'm already thinking about next time. I mean, it's Paris, you know, and Paris is the capital of fashion. I already had some ideas, some visions of how to draw links between Paris and Taiwan. Olympic uniforms with a distinctly Taiwanese flair. Making Taiwan visible on the world stage is a media cliché, but in Cho's case, it's very apt. Now behind the glittering athletic feats going on in Tokyo lie years of blood, sweat and tears. And all that takes a lot of sponsorship. Several Taiwanese banks are paying the bill for a roster of athletes in Tokyo. And there are massive extra rewards for athletes who get medals, with a top reward of over 2 million NT for a gold from Fubon Bank. Let's take a look at the different banks and their rewards. From gold medalist Guo Xingchun to pommel horse specialist Li Zhikai, banks are borrowing the names of beloved sports people to advertise themselves. And they're offering massive financial rewards for athletes who get gold in Tokyo. Fubon Bank is sponsoring seven athletes at the Games. They're offering a bonus of 100,000 US dollars for a gold medal, $50,000 for a silver, and $25,000 for a bronze. In new Taiwan dollars, the total payout for Guo's gold and Yang Yongwei's silver will be a cool 4.2 million NT. First Bank is offering 1 million NT for a gold, 350,000 NT for a silver, and 250,000 NT for a bronze. Weightlifter Chen Wenhui has pocketed a quarter of a million for her bronze. 
Huanan Bank is promising 1 million NT for gold, 600,000 NT for silver, and 300,000 NT for bronze. Li, an audience favorite, is one of their athletes. And Taiwan Cooperative Bank has seven beneficiaries, including badminton queen Dai Ziying and table tennis players Lin Yunru, Zheng Yijing, and Zhuang Ziyuan. Lin and Zhen have already nabbed bronze in the mixed doubles. They'll enjoy a cash prize and a monthly stipend of 30,000 NT. It's to take care of athletes. When public sector banks or state-run enterprises sponsor athletes over the long term, it can encourage more banks or even publicly owned businesses to invest more long-term in professional sports teams or amateur teams. We can provide more funds so that these athletes don't have to worry about their families' finances. Long-term financial sponsorship is crucial for athletic careers. Tokyo 2020 looks set to be a big medal hall for Taiwan and could inspire many young people to dream of a career in sport.